Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. And welcome again to another episode of Over Underrated with Fran Babs and I am Fran and I'm currently on holiday in a safari park so please ignore any noises. This week we're discussing two bands from Leeds, Yorkshire, Alt J and Jules. One of those we think is overrated and the other is of course underrated. I won't spoil which is which, but please sit back, pop some decent headphones, enjoy. Over underrated. So welcome to the latest episode of Over Underrated with Babs and Fran. This week, the theme is leads uh, that we've gone for. And there was plenty that we could have picked from, and I'm sure we'll get into it in the episode. But for this time round, I have picked Alt-J as the overrated band. I don't think they're overrated, but Fran does. So I'm going to try and change his mind. And Fran has an underrated band he wants to promote this week. I'm going to be pushing the indie band Jules and seeing uh, what Babs thinks of them because I believe she had never heard of them until uh, I mentioned them. So I thought I had never heard of them, which is why I was quite keen to to pick that, to, to second Fran on his choice. But in actual fact, I did have a song saved by them on Spotify, which is, it happens a lot. You know, I did a lot of Discover Weekly listening and saving, which means that my Spotify library is a bit mad. Now I have to say there's lots of songs that I've saved and I can't remember. So I think I came across them. It must have been either some kind of naughties indie playlist or a fans similar to other bands that you like rabbit hole. But uh, apart from that, I knew nothing. So um, Babs has made a playlist and I made her a playlist of 10 songs for each other to listen to and then decide whether we think they're overrated or underrated. So, Babs, you want to go first? Overrated. Fran thinks that Alt-J is overrated and I can understand that as a, as a base position because they are extremely popular. And actually when researching them, they got big very quickly. So they formed at uni in 2007. I think they were together for most of the time there, then left uni, moved to Cambridge, got signed in 2011, and then released their debut album and Awesome Wave in 2012. And yeah, it definitely feels like they were everywhere for a moment, right, Fran? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, old J. You know, when you first hear a song, you think, yeah, that would go anywhere. And then two months later, every single person in that music store was going about how great Alt J are, how different Alt J are, what a unique voice, what a unique sound. And you realize that you're the only person in the room. And then later on, you're the only person in the whole of the UK who seemingly does not like Alt J. And then they win the Mercury Prize. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, enjoy it, guys. I'm different. I like, ah, oh, it's fine. So I'm going to say, Fran, you have to look up an article that the journalist Laura Snapes wrote about an awesome wave. That she reviews it in Pitchfork and absolutely demolishes it. I think you'd be, you'd be uh, in cahoots with her and very much enjoy it. 
Um, so Alt-J, again, one of those bands, this, this happens a lot where I don't really want to like them, right? Like they're four, now three nice posh boys who went to university and made songs together. You know, doesn't, it's not a particularly original uh, origin story. And their music is quite gentle. I, I would call them quite gentle. And normally I'm, I like far more energetic and, and rocky music. But I can't help but I really like an awesome wave. I think they're they're really good. You don't know what directions their songs are gonna go in. And with an awesome wave, I feel like it's one of those albums where on every listen you like a different song. You know, you, you have your favorites, you just the big ones like Tesla and Breeze Blocks. They're, that's how I got into it, you know, they were everywhere. But I wasn't working in a music store, so maybe I wasn't as traumatized by Alt J is you, Fran. And yeah, I, I think it's it's an excellent album. And I was lucky to see them here in Belgium in, in 2013, the year after they, they released it. So I can agree with you that their follow-up albums aren't as good. The second one, especially, I'm, I'm really not a fan. I like about one or two songs on there. Relaxer, the third one, I like about half of it. I think they're very inventive. And I quite like the fact that they reference all sorts of you know high art and low art you know highbrow and lowbrow and they're arty but they don't seem to be snobby so the lead singer there's a quote saying that for him there's no highbrow versus lowbrow i love big bold fucking easy pop and when they released their debut album they actually released it on soundcloud and they'd written out kind of what each song was about and it's quite easy with Orche to find their explanations for what their songs are about which is quite nice you know it's not the whole like oh we're referencing this random artist you know from this obscure web page and, and you have to find it no they're, they're quite open about it and yeah that's why you know you have Miley Cyrus and French writer Alfred de Mousset in the same song <laughs> and I, I quite enjoy that so when I was creating the playlist for you obviously I did I did go for some of my favorites but I did try and throw in a few curveballs there. So I threw in a remix, I threw in a French language version of a song, and I threw in um, a soundtrack song. So what was your overall view on, on first listen of that? Well, first, can I say, if I did put down my notes, I cannot hear a word he's on about. <laughs> and, when I, and when I do, it's him talking about like numbers or, or like, random phrases. He talks a lot about Is sex. It, it, yeah, yeah. Does he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to go and read the lyrics. We, we can come to that, but that's kind of also what I like about Ultra because they don't look like the kind of band who would talk about sex, but you go and look at the lyrics and it's like, whoa. You know, I, one that I didn't put on the playlist, um, Every Other Freckle, he says, I want to lick you inside out like you're a crisp packet. I mean... The Ripe and the Ruin, something I can't pronounce that easily. I mean, yeah, that's a nice little... Uh jingle or an advertising music is it maybe i mean that's nothing i mean that's something for me yeah i mean yeah, it's very short i thought i'd ease you in gently <laughs> um tessellate i've obviously I'm, I'm aware of like tessellate I'm, I'm aware of breeze box and like they have a, maybe a dash of a guitar line i enjoy mm-hmm. i just hate the whole tappy 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 drum machine noise which is basically the first album his voice obviously yeah i mean the problem is if you have a voice like that, it's going to really put off people. And it's like with Bob Dylan, at first, it's a bit, you know, no, Bob Dylan's, you know, in a voice. But after a while, you get used to Bob Dylan's voice and you can you can continue. After listening to uh, hours of things of Ultra, 
I have not been able to progress part of the voice. Um, so when he's not singing, I do listen a bit more. Yeah, there's some nice little touch of the bass lines and I can see that they've influenced, you know, even Coldplay. I think Coldplay's album, Ghosts, and the song Magic, to me, sounds very old J. It's very more groove. It's got that sort of like, you know, that rhythmic sound with a touch of guitar lines going through it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've written, here, I've written on here, Breeze Block, um, it's them having fun with some sound boxes. Well done, guys. Tessellate has a decent baseline. See, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm you're, being you're finding the positives. Yeah. But what, what do you think of the harmonies? Because I, I think for me, a big draw uh, from Alt-J, so Joe Newman's voice doesn't doesn't annoy, annoy me. I quite like it. He clearly has range. But more than that, I really like the harmonies between him and the keyboardist Gus Unger, oh, difficult to say, Gus Unger Hamilton. Um, so have they discussed their voices? Like, is that their actual voices? Or is that a something they came to to get their own sound? Is that his natural singing voice for both of them? I think so. And actually, Gus was in a choir. He was in a kid's choir that they went back to, I think, to record songs for their third album. They went back to the the, the Church of Eli or something like that to, to do that. So I think that is, you know, I think that that is their natural voices. And Joe Newman, he can go very low and he can go very high. I like that in a man, you know, Matt Bellamy, Tom Smith from the editors. Like, I, I find that impressive. And it's a nice, because I like it, but I can understand why other people wouldn't like it. It is a little bit whiny. It's a nice contrast with, with Gus's much more kind of baritone voice, I, I think. And I started with The Ripe and Ruin because that really was just the two of them singing. And can I say, I have sang that song in choir. Shout out to She Choir Brussels and all the other She Choirs. And it is fucking difficult <laughs> to, to do so respect i mean i appreciate the that they use their vocals as an instrument like you know it definitely is to create you know some more depth to the songs i didn't know there were two singers until i watched a clip from live because i always like to see them perform live because i think that's important and then i, I noticed that it's harmonizing i assume he was just double tracking himself i didn't realize there's two people singing in the band yeah so now i, I give them that no i think Regarding vocals, it's quite a handy um, thing to have a unique voice. Like, if you've seen this Elk J on the radio, you know it's Elk J. This is, you know, mm-hmm. like the Smashing Pumpkin, for example, you instantly know, oh, it's Brian Gorgon, it's, it's boom. So, yes, I mean, it's, it's a good, you know, it's, it's a good string to the bow. But, yeah, okay, let's go. Let's, go <laughs> Let, let, let's move on. Let's move on. So, and do you, do you not think he makes the word tessellate sound quite sexy, Fran? I, I think he does, you know? <sighs> Um, I, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I can't think of many words I get turned on by. That's the problem for me. Different strokes. Oh, what a shame. You need to make a list. <laughs> like the rest of us. Oh, here we go. Okay, so hit me like that snare. I think it sounds like them doing the song The Monster Mash. Oh, wow. Really? The organ. We do the mash. His voice is similar <laughs> to the guy from the Monster Mash. Is that what you heard? Am I alone? That is no. not what I heard, but I, I think I'm hearing it now. That's really, that's really funny. That it's, that's a really weird song. I, I, I like it, but again, I included it kind of deliberately because it's, it's weird and because actually it's about weird things. I don't know if you t- took a look at the lyrics for this one or any of the others, but basically it's about someone in a sex hotel um, and it quite tongue-in-cheek references listening to a moon-shaped pool sorry moon-shaped pool in the velvet cell uh and stuff like that i i i i really love it because it's weird and he speaks japanese in the middle of it there's a woman screaming 
um yeah i guess you know could it could be freaky monster mash why not <laughs> i mean i don't mind to say filthy as well i mean you knew um dead crush i have it even written down i've, I've gone to free ww and then find out i found mm-hmm. out that the original version has the lead singer of wolf Alice in it is that correct Indeed. is that is that better yeah. than the, this is the french version yeah this is the fr- i prefer the french version um i think it sounds a bit more nostalgic and longing and i i really like uh lomipal's voice so the the french rapper who's who's doing it and again i i included so dead crush hit me like that snare and in cold blood from relaxer but the the french version is from their remix album reduxa which i think takes it in quite a different direction um and yeah that was that was my favorite song song from it three three ww the normal one it leaves me a little bit cold the the french one i like it and i i thought given that you'd said that you know, you don't really pay attention to lyrics. Maybe listening to to someone singing in a language that you don't understand would, would make you um, listen to the yeah, listen to the melody. It's interesting because I thought that is it Lompal. I don't know how you pronounce it that well. I think so. It's Lom Epal because in French that means the man is pale. Lom Epal. So yeah, Lom Epal. Before I, I listened, I, I read the uh, the song title. I thought it's him singing in French. They got a similar tone. It wasn't that different from the original vocals. So, so I thought, oh, here we go, showing off again, bloody. And then Jap- Japanese, <laughs> French. <laughs> How dare How dare So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like I'm a changed man. Um, I, I'm sad to hear this. But, I mean, given you really were reluctant when we first discussed doing, doing Alt-J, um, I'm not that surprised. Did you not even like the Tom Vec remix of Breeze Blocks that I gave you? Because that that sounds more Tom Vec than than anything else. And by the way, I did kind of include that so I could talk about how much I love Tom Vec. He is one of my favorite underrated artists. Well, I mean, let's save it for another time, guys. <laughs> I've heard that song the most. I think it, it, was that one of the biggest hits. Was it Breeze Block? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I mean, yeah. So that I didn't really need to listen to you too carefully because I will repeat. I was working in a music store when that album was played twice a day. That's why I gave you the remix. I gave you the <laughs> remix because it's different, Fran. <laughs> Over underrated. Sous évalué. Überschätzt. Over underschätzt. Over underrated. Yeah, so I, I thought, hang on, I've not heard them live before. So I did do some further research and I listened to them, them play live. And I think they do sound better live. I I think the stripped down, um, the, 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 the drums work better live and I prefer the guitars live. So I actually prefer most of the live versions of the first album than on the, uh, on the, on the original um, studio version. Mm-hmm. Maybe because, yeah, they're not relying on all the, all the loops and uh, the samples which in that youtube thing but you say you say loops and samples but um i think tom sunny green who is my favorite member of, of Alt-J, the drummer he, he is playing a drum kit you know and it, and it i don't think it's always an electric drum kit his drum kit is a bit special firstly because he doesn't have any cymbals so he uses a tambourine and um a cowbell instead and also interestingly maybe i don't know if this will change your mind on anything but he's 80 percent deaf tom sonny green he has this rare disorder called alport disorder the way he's managed to kind of perform live and everything else is because he got a, a deal with some fancy um hearing aid providers isn't isn't there symbols because he can't hear the high end so i'm not sure why there is no symbols although i do remember reading that 
when they were rehearsing at Leeds Uni, very often they'd have limited access to rehearsal space. So they'd have to kind of rehearse quietly. Mm. And obviously cymbals are quite loud and clangy. So yeah, that, that could be why. And I, I was very tempted actually. So Tom Sunny Green has a, has a solo album called High Anxiety from 2016. I was tempted to include my favorite song from there, Vienna, on there, which is this very nice, chilled, electronic tune. But I thought, no, that's cheating. I don't think Fran will like it if I, if I include a side And I refuse, I refuse to listen to any other song called Vienna if it's not Octavox. I'm sorry. Well, do you know? Do you know? What? I fucking <laughs> love Ultravox, and uh, I had uh, I had a boyfriend who lived in Vienna, and when I'd go and visit him, I would listen to that song pretty much every time before the plane landed to kind of get me in the mood. But th- this Vienna, very different Vienna, also a good one. Obviously, there's that famous uh, YouTube clip of the guy spoofing them. This is why I've always assumed that they do use like loops and drum machines because of like how they create the sound. In that video, maybe mm-hmm. I'm maybe I'm giving them bad credit, and maybe I I assume they're recording the music, the samples and loops because of that that, that um, spoof video. I don't want to pretend that I'm te- technical enough to always know the difference, but my understanding was that no, he 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 has got a drum kit, and that is mostly what they use. And I'm I'm trying to remember now when they played live. What, so when they played live, they had Quill, the the fourth member there, and I think he did a lot of different things. You know, I remember with um, the song Tarot that has that kind of weird guitar sound. He was kind of playing with a special thing. I don't know how to describe it, like some sort of wire wire thing on the guitar and stuff like that. Um, but no, I, I I think I think it, you know they it is a real drum kit and uh, and a, a bunch of other bells and whistles for sure. But uh, but it is a, it is a real live drum kit as far as okay, I'm aware. Okay, so ask me the question. What question? Do I think that overrated? Uh, hang on, hang on. We still need. I just want to quickly get your viewpoint on hairs on the mountain. Did that say anything to you? Because that's I, I didn't know this until this podcast, but it's a traditional folk song. I had no idea. I thought it was an alt J, you know, an absolutely standard alt J classic. And I really, I really enjoyed it. And then it turns out they've just completely reinterpreted this folk song that a million other people have done. So, I mean, I would give it the same view as I gave the film as from. Oh yeah, yeah you probably <laughs> can't see, but I've written one word there, and that was non. No. 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 Nothing. It gave me nothing. It was just. It was happening. I thought, is there going to be a chorus? Is there going to be a melody? Is there going to be something to hook me in? And that's the end. The end of the song. Just way too much atmosphere for you, was it? <laughs> hey, I love, I love a bit. I love a bit of atmosphere, especially if, if it's by uh, Joy, Joy Division. Uh, <laughs> boom no fair enough fair enough i when when we were we were chatting before this record i did say to you you know watch their music videos because i you know i think that adds a dimension and as a as a film student you know i, I think thought you would appreciate them and equally as i said it is worth checking out the lyrics i mean did you hear fitz pleasure in your snatch flitz pleasure broom shaped pleasure like that fran I will ask you the question, but whatever the answer is, I think you have to go back and, and do the further research. So do you think Alt-J are overrated? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think that they came out at a time when there was a lot of guitar music in the UK. And because they sounded different, everyone grabbed them. So it's like, for example, Mark Camoy once said, the, the famous film reviewer, that when you're sat in a dark room, watching 10 romantic comedies 
anything which is slightly different to the format, critics are going to love. And I think for Alt J, maybe, but they came out in a time when there's so many guitar indie bands that because they're doing something different, they were like pushed to the top saying, oh my God, somebody's doing something good. But, but yeah, they're making a new sound, but what else can they do with that new sound? And after three albums, it turns out not a lot. So you don't think they're the new Radiohead? Hell no, because Radiohead had songs you could play on an acoustic guitar and sung by anybody and they still sound amazing. Well, it's a shame that I haven't managed to convince you. I, I still think, as I said, that the, I think their first album is excellent and I think their songs take a lot of different directions. And actually, I would say they probably came at the end of the of, of the guitar music period, right? Because if, if their album came out in 2012, you know, that was beyond the mid-noughties kind of Arctic Monkeys, etc. domination. So I think maybe that's also why people latched onto them because it wasn't just your straightforward, you know, four person setup, you know, bass guitar, and that's it. You know, they use keyboards and uh, and a lot of other things. I was surprised to see that their second album was the one that was nominated for a Grammy. I think it's their worst one by, by a mile. I really don't like it. Their first album, they worked on those songs for years. You know, they, they worked on them at university and actually some of them even beyond so in cold blood which is from their third album they actually started composing that in um at university and then just couldn't really get beyond it uh, there's a song exploder episode not to promote another music podcast but there's a song exploder episode where uh alt j discussed in cold blood and they yeah they were saying how basically i think it was 10 years old before they started working on it so i think you know they they're interesting and they're measured i i don't think they're kind of the saviors of british rock or, or anything like that and sure they're, they're overplayed and you know that they've been on a lot of soundtracks and tv shows so maybe that's why you feel the rage that you do but I I, I do think they're a good band and uh, and they I don't know they they seem nice we will just have to go our separate ways with this Fran I will also add that I think they come across as nice guys but mm-hmm. they also lose a point because their name is not even old J is it they're actually like Prince they're a symbol they're a fucking symbol come on it's a triangle and it's the Greek. Okay, so let can I get nerdy real quick with this? Um, so Alt-J, when you type it into a Mac, it turns into a triangle, which is also the Greek letter Delta, right? And what, again, I didn't realize before doing this podcast. So the album artwork for an awesome wave is the Ganges River Delta. Oh, nerdiness. References. No. <laughs> No? Is that your, your favourite Dota? Out of all the Dotas? <laughs> oh, do you know what? If I had to list my top three, Ganges would be well up there. Well up there. <laughs> well, I mean, people do come to this podcast for the uh, the Riv updates. Um, <laughs> true. Okay, I mean, look, I'm not that sort of guy who will uh, put a band in a box and if I open it again. I hated Muse when it came out. I, I You know, I, I hated the XX and the now, you know, the last album I, st- I thought I was still possible. don't like the XX, so maybe well, we'll come back to that yeah, one. <laughs> well, yeah, another band. But yeah, so, you know, I'm willing to always give a band another try. I'm not that person. Um, so, yeah, we will see in three or four years' time that maybe they will create something else. Over underrated. Hi, and thank you for listening to part one of Over Underrated. So, what do you think of Alt-J? Yes, they are thoroughly overrated. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and don't forget to contact us on our social media. 
See you after part two. Underrated. So, moving on to Fran time. Um, Fran time? Oh, um, is that, is that Fran- the section? Fran time? Okay. That yeah, was I, that was the, the Bab Zero. Now moving on to Fran time. I will make a jingle. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, when we talk about Leeds, um, obviously, there's quite a lot, a few pounds I like from Leeds. But most people, people have heard of um, the Kaiser Chiefs. Um, so, and the music, the band of music. So, I thought, okay. There was a special band for me, guys. A special band for me. Um, how, how long are we going to go back? Is it 14 years now since the debut album? 2006? Yeah. yeah, 14 years ago. And I, I heard their first single. So it's 15 years ago since I heard Potential Futures. And I thought, yes, please, give me some more, please. And then sadly, that was the only single. So I had to wait a while. And then the next single came out, which I think was um, Pressure on You, which is a bit blurry. And then I thought, yes, liking it. And then Animal came out and I was on board. And then, yeah, then when the Dave Rabbit came out, which is called The Bright Lights and What I Should Have Learned, it was my album of the year for 2006. And again, working in the music store, so I will keep banging on about for the next 10 years, I would literally play that album on a Saturday afternoon and then put five copies by the stereo and tell people I will sell out this album by the end of the day. And it happened once. So... Good. And yeah, and they got good reviews, and then nothing. Two years later, it turned out that a website I used, to, I used to write for had signed them, and I saw them play. The only time I ever saw them play live um, in the Candle and Crawl 2008 in a tiny pub, and it pretty much did the second album in full. So I never heard them ever play the first album, which is quite sad. And then they've literally gone off the radar. Uh, <laughs> they were like a five piece um, with the um, I assume it's called Folger Brothers I've never heard it's, it's pronounced they were supposed to be making an album I think in 2009 and then yeah nothing at all and if you go through like the internet and try and discover information they are not a band who are easy to find <laughs> not at all not even their music so Fran had to send me one of the songs on on, on the playlist because I couldn't find it anywhere um, the first album isn't on Spotify and the second album is and it's on, on Bandcamp and, and everything but it was really difficult to find individual songs and you know there's there's music videos on YouTube from accounts that have like 60 followers and posted like two other videos and that's it so that it, it was very mysterious band um, to, to listen to um, so I'm coming in pretty much cold i had one one song saved on spotify but i couldn't even remember it i i really liked the second album Fran, <laughs> which was totally different to the first album um you know we can go through the the songs individually there were some I, I liked on the first album but the second album i thought was great i felt listening to your your playlist which had songs from both albums i felt that with every song that i was listening to i was listening to a different band that they sound so different song to song which was really interesting i really didn't know which direction they were they were going to go in yeah i found a guardian review of their second album which kind of talks a little bit about what you said says the leeds band's debut sank without trace so jewels have emerged with an even darker almost orwellian opus that bucks prevailing trends 
Out go the debut's jauntier tunes in favor of kraut rock repetition, totalitarian chants, cascading pianos, and a sense of peering fearlessly into the abyss. And I realized that's my kind of music, totalitarian chants and kraut rock vibes. And even, you know, I then went back and listened to, to the second album alone because I enjoyed it so much. So definitely thank you for, for introducing me to it. But even, even if you go and listen to each album individually, each song sounds quite different. And all of, almost all of their songs, there are unexpected transitions. I think in that way, I can make the comparison with Alt-J. It really, they go in directions that you're not expecting and vocals come in from nowhere. Suddenly there's a bass line that wasn't there. So I enjoyed it, especially because, yeah, I had no idea which direction it was going in. But I was going to ask you about this, yeah, mysterious third album because Wikipedia says, as of early 2009, Jewels are writing and rehearsing their third full-length album. Where is it? <laughs> um, I mean, they haven't sent me it themselves, so I assume it's not, it's not a thing. Yeah, I mean, um, I kind of, back on MySpace, I was... Uh, friend with the singer on MySpace. So I think by 2009, we'd moved from the Facebook. So I had lost track. <laughs> so I, I have no, literally no idea of him or of any of them are still doing anything musical at all. I know they were in a band before Jules, but I don't think they ever recorded anything. But I have just looked on Spotify and I, I am staring at the first album. So I don't know if this is international. Ah, oh, not in Belgium. Belgium's not allowed clearly to, to have the first oh. album. No. So when you sent me the playlist, you know, I opened it in the browser and I could the the songs were there, but they were, you know, blacked out. Um, and when I went into my Spotify app, I, I couldn't even see them. I could only see the the five songs you'd put from the from the other album, and one of the songs from the album, which is on a compilation. So I, I had to go on YouTube to to find the other songs, and the the one that I couldn't find, you had to you had to send to me. So but this happens. I, I've seen this happen before, where for ages, Echoes by the Rapture wasn't on Spotify in Belgium, but when I went to Australia, for some reason, it was there. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, and when their website still exists and there's a link to their band camp, but you can only buy and stream their second album, not their first album. So um, can you even find the CD anywhere? I didn't try to let me, I can check Bandcamp to see if you could buy the, buy the CD, but yeah, I, I, it really makes you realize that you're, you're so used to having everything online. You're so used to someone kind of categorizing it and putting it on YouTube that you just presume that everything's going to be there, especially with the YouTube music now but it doesn't seem to be the case. No, so on, on Bandcamp, you can only buy the digital album. I'm, I'm looking at their Twitter now. They had a tw- their second to last tweet was in 2014. And it says, John F. from Jules and Linz Wilson take their nine room AV installation to Leeds in November. And I think I, I was reading somewhere about how they created a studio or something. So that's the second last tweet from 2014. And then in 2018, four years later, they've put a link to the Bandcamp, to, to their Bandcamp with, with the album the Barbar- the barbarians move in and it says released 10 years ago today and that's it nothing else since then they're not following anyone an absolute mystery so have you actually managed to listen to many songs i listen yeah I, fran i do my homework seriously i listen to <laughs> i listen to your playlist twice and i make notes as i said up top i much prefer their second album i think every song that you gave me from their second album i enjoyed a pop maybe the healing i wasn't so so keen but I think it's because it starts with this piano and then the percussion kicks in, then the bass, and then there's a bit of screechy violin at the end. So that I, I, I really enjoyed that. And I also really enjoyed reading into their lyrics because they, they write some poetry. I was really surprised. So Pressure On You, for example, which you were saying is quite blurry from, from their first album. 
I wrote that it was on the edge of a bit too poppy, but I, I quite enjoyed John Fulger. I also don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, John Fulger's delivery, you know, and the lyrics are great. You know, she thinks to tell me over breakfast, you roll your cigarettes too thin. And where were you last night? Well, you know, I had to work late again. It's really, it reminds me of kind of long blondes, kitchen sink drama uh, vibes on the video for Animal, which I also saw. And the video and the song sounded familiar there. I must have heard that at an indie disco back in the day. Uh, and I think that was my favorite from from the debut album that you gave me. Someone commented that they sound like the Young Knives, which I think is true. Uh, there is that kind of atmosphere that they that they evoke, and I, I I quite like Young Knives' first album. So so yeah, that's that's my my general view. But if you want to ask me specific questions on the songs, hit me. Like I said, on the first album, it's bonkers because every single song could be a different band and like exactly. what one yeah I, I think potential futures is all you know, it's, it's like the most brick pop it's a bit like pulp with the uh kids and sing drama animal could be a raid song i know that there's animal nitrate um mm-hmm. brothers, brothers and sisters is my favorite which is the most anthemic choruses it's got pianos um things yep. <laughs> You've not heard things, have you? No, I'm just, la- I'm just laughing because my notes for brothers and sisters are starts pretty Brit poppy, then goes a bit melancholy. The crunchy guitars are a nice surprise leading to the chorus, but it's still a bit too anthemic for me. I used exactly the same verb, but unfortunately <laughs> as a negative there, Fran. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's fine. No, it's fine. So yeah, so that's the, that's their like, I guess, their anthem. Um, slow build is, uh, to me, it's a bit like Bowie-esque, I think, in, in, how it's, in its production. Yeah, that was my least favourite, I think. Uh, and then yeah, then months is a loose which I gave to you a couple of hours ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, you hear it. Yes, I did hear it, and I thought I thought that one was fine. I I liked it, but it didn't kind of move me particularly from from the album. I think you know, pressure on you and animal were were my favourites from there. Potential future is a little bit too melodic, but I'm very intrigued as to what the hell it's about because he talks about some guy called Jimmy Delancia. What? What? Who? Where? I uh, it's very confusing. <laughs> is it is it some in joke that I don't understand? See, I'm not a massive lyric fan, so unless it's like fun things, I really need to research. I've never gone further to find out about the lyrics of Jules and Sorry, but quick to you. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Urbachette. Over underrated. Over underrated. When I first heard the, 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 the second album and I was uh, asked to review it for the website, I was like in shock. You must have hated it on first listen, no? If you were oh, such oh, a big yeah. fan of the, uh, of the oh, first yeah. album. Yeah. What's yeah. the first album? Their management companies going through the demos and saying, okay, this will sell, this will sell, this will sell. And then they had another dark side, which they weren't allowed to create. Like, because mm. I cannot believe that you can have this music in you and then, you know, not be in the first album. I assume they had. You know quite a few different sounds and then we're told to focus on one sound because like, they're on a, on a major label it may mm-hmm. not be the case um i know it's a similar thing with the band aha i know aha mm-hmm. um always like kind of like forced to make you know, singles as they weren't too happy about because they had to make money so I, and i think with the second album because they had been dropped by a major label they probably thought well we're on an independent label let's just do everything how he wanted to and then they completely stripped away that rip pop-esque sound and you know made an album so i think it's more like more like nick cave than yes. oasis i wrote nick cave especially um wolvesland i thought was very nick cave um and i really enjoyed him sneering who put that smile on your face i was like yeah john who did you tell me 
Um, I, I really like, I, yeah, I, I, I really like that one. I like Sleeping Giants, The Furies, which, which isn't on, on your playlist, but I, I knew from before I listened to it again and it's great. And it was the other one, Regeneration. Yeah. That one was a grower. I didn't like it the big, the first time I listened to it, but on second listen, uh, I did. And I, I listening, I, I haven't listened to the first album or well, the songs I could find from the first album again, but, uh, the second album as a whole, I think it's a great listen, but I know the feeling when you have a band that you're really, really, really keen on. And if their second album is different to the first one that you love, you have a bit of a shock. I had that with the Subways. Uh, I think Young Fraternity is perfect. And then their second like Americana album came out and I was like, what is this? I don't like it. And I think I needed a few years to before I could go back and kind of see it a bit more neutrally. So yeah, I, I imagine your review for the second album wasn't too positive. Well, I mean, I was kind of forced to make it positive, but I will, <laughs> I will, I will say that, like, yeah, I think Stephen Chance is a, is a great track, and there's a, there's a YouTube video which I don't know is official or not of uh, children in the fifties with monkey mask cycling. Have you seen that? No, I, I haven't. I'll send it to you. It's it's quite disturbing, but goes well with the video. <laughs> I've written some. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm disgusted by never sort of life because, like, watching a band play a really dark, brooding album in a, a pub in the daytime is not the best atmosphere, especially when you hadn't heard the songs until, until that for the first time. And then I've not met personally anybody who does not enjoy this band. And it's like, what happened, right? Why were they not pushed further? Like they got, I think they got like eight out of 10 average reviews of both albums. So like, what was it? Were they were they dicks? What, did the management company not want to push him? I, I always find it fascinating. Yeah, I mean, the the Guardian article that I mentioned before, it, it, so it's a very short review, but it ends with the journalist writing, when, when the vocalist hauntingly sings of wanting to chew through the walls and meet you on the outside, you can taste the frustration of being in one of Britain's most ambitious but mystifyingly unrecognised groups. So, mm. you know, he, he, he's agreeing with you. I, I reckon it's PR. 2006, there was so much going on for British music, for British guitar music. There were so many so many bands that were exploding in that era i just wonder if it was just that they were pushed a bit to the side you know they were, they might have been big in leeds and bigger than north but just didn't kind of go outside of that and then given that their their second album only came out two years later but sounds completely different when you know the kind of i, I what what would you call it the garage rock revival or like the british indie of the mid noughties it's still going strong. It wouldn't have necessarily found its place there as well. I mean, also, it could just be that the band are really crap at marketing themselves because honestly, it's so difficult to find out any information about them. Uh, and I wonder if that was still the case back in the day or, you know, maybe maybe they had a particularly well-stocked MySpace, but uh, yeah, very strange. No, their MySpace is great. And they had they're another band who had great B-sides, which now have now vanished into the end of the any of them. Um, you know what? I, I might throw out some emails and find out if what, what happened to uh, to the jaws, and you never know. You might get him on on a podcast. Right. That would be great. I would be a terrible, you know, A and R man because I really back the wrong horses. The bands who I think are going to be massive just literally vanished after like a year and a half. Um, like another band to same era, also two albums. In fact, I'd like to do a, a two album band uh, podcast because I find it quite interesting when bands end after two albums. And um, there's a band called Hope of the States, the same yeah. era. I I yeah, went, yeah. I was saying, guys, this is the UK's answer to Arcade Fire. They're going to be massive. 
two years later and broken up again. <laughs> Literally, like I had a run, a run of picking bands in the noughties to like end after one or two albums. Yeah, I mean, you do wonder, as you say, like, is it is it something going on internally within the band and the band relationships that just mean it doesn't happen? Or is it, you know, record labels being crap or a mix of, of both? I mean, um, yeah, with, with Jules, what's so interesting is that really those two albums are not released very far apart. Like, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, obviously Radiohead, Kid A, you know, OK, Computer in 97, Kid A in 2000. That was three years and that was completely different. This was two years. Maybe the fact that they're the kind of band where every song sounds different makes them more difficult to market because even their first album, even though it sounds, yeah, anthemic and Britpoppy and et cetera, like I said, you know, every song is different. And within each song, it goes off in tangents that you're not expecting. So maybe maybe it is a bit of that. Maybe they wanted to pack it in. You know, I've, I've read those articles about what, uh, you know, the bands that were big in the noughties, what are they doing now? Um, and it's quite varied, and I, but I haven't seen I haven't seen Jules anywhere. No, it was it was it's really vanished into the ether. Yeah, I think yeah, but there was that, that indie landfill uh, playlist. And mm-hmm. they, yeah, and they didn't even make that. They didn't even make that noise. They couldn't even make the indie land. So yeah. So would you uh, check them out again? Are, are you a new fan? I would. Yeah, I am considering buying their second album on Bandcamp. Absolutely. Well. Thank you. I have done my job. I have posted again. <laughs> and I have not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think they are um, a very indie band. And if you can always you know, pass some money towards them rather than listening to it on uh, Spotify, I'm sure they'll be grateful of the extra cash. I always still try and buy CDs. I haven't changed the vinyl of bands who I, who I know have, like, made it themselves because, like, I, I can afford £10 to listen to a great album. Like, you know, I don't have to these days because we have, um, you know, Spotify and Amazon, etc. But I think that if it's a band who have made themselves, even if they've done it on their own label, I feel like I should probably give back. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I I buy records where when I can. I'm, I'm a CD gal. I've never been into vinyl, even though I think the world is slowly, grudgingly pushing me towards that direction because now very often when bands release albums, they will release them physically only on vinyl and not CD anymore. Even though I have these lovely CD shelves that Frank can see behind me that I've just bought and uh, has already led to me buying a lot more CDs that I didn't have because now I have the space for them. But yeah, if I can't, I always I always try to go on, on Bandcamp or, or to buy it digitally because, yeah, it's very strange to me how people just forget that musicians need to make money and how paying whatever it is, $9.99 for Spotify, obviously is not the same as buying several albums a month uh, that go directly to, to artists. So yeah, guys, if you can afford to buy music, do it. If not, share it shout out about the band so that people who can afford it can otherwise all of our favorite musicians will have to be retrained um to work in it so Ugh. you know uh, yeah <laughs> i'm not even in the uk anymore and it, it's driving me crazy the current situation so yeah the less said about the <laughs> the less said about that the better although there, did you see there was a, a tweet thread from this musician called steve bullock who i don't know mm-hmm. who he is Basically talking about how, yeah, you know, the UK has been trading on its cultural power for many years and a lot of musicians in the 70s and 80s, the only reason that they could kind of exist was because, you know, there were no university fees and there were grants and there was the dull and that was enough to kind of survive and, and be creative and that's just completely vanished in in modern Britain. Um, 
Yeah, very sad. And let's not end on that. Well, note. yeah, but I will point out, you know, that guys, if we don't help out these struggling musicians, the only music we're going to have will be Alt J. Because, you know, because <gasps> it, it, it'll How just be posh, posh kids with money who can afford to do it. Is that what we want? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, uh, I had such rage in the Oasis episode that I'm allowing you this rage in the Alt-J episode. That's fine, Fran, but don't don't think you can do this every time. And Alt-J are very aware of their privilege. Okay, I was reading about this. They were talking about how they know they have middle class because she lives. And actually, I think Gus Unger Hamilton is a baron. He's descended from a baronet or something like super, super posh. But they're a band who, I mean, we didn't even discuss this. They use uh, Miley Cyrus. They sample Miley Cyrus in Hunger of the Pine. Um, and they did it because she used uh, Fitz Pleasure in one of her um, one of her concert tours in in a video. So, look, they they know their place in society, and they promote high art and low art, and that's why they're good, Fran. And watch watch the videos. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I will watch the videos and I will report back. Don't you worry. Thanks, guys, for listening. Sorry, Alt J fans. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll agree on other music. Please check out our other episodes. And uh, do you have anything to say, Babs, before you go? Thank you for introducing me to Jules. I enjoyed getting to know them and and listening to their back catalogue. And uh, yet, yeah, to be honest, I want to finish by saying that there's a lot more Leeds bands that we could do. You know, we we touched upon it, but there's Kaiser Chiefs, Gang of Four, The Music, Delta Five. My my personal pick would be Pulled Apart by Horses, who for me are the best support band I've ever seen. They supported Blood Red Shoes, who are amazing on one of my favorite bands, but they absolutely smashed it out of the park. And uh, and they're from Leeds. So who knows? This might be part one of two. And I will be uh, promoting the music. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, music fans. Good night. Goodbye. See you. Yes, they're spiders. Hi, thanks for listening to the podcast. Again, if you can contact us on social media with any bands you feel are overrated or underrated, that would be perfect. And thanks so much for listening. We don't have any sponsors. We don't have any adverts. Just have our voices. And those social media links are on email over underrated music pod at gmail.com on instagram it's over underrated music pod and on twitter it's ou music pod and there's no snapchat sorry <laughs>